Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two. Roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty, Kelly Sander, Dalton Stanford. We're all in Hattiesburg today at the First Bank Studio here in Oak Grove. We're glad you're with us wherever you're listening across the state this afternoon. Uh, Tim McNamara from Conference USA, he's scheduled to come on the show today. He's going to explain the the pod play, Kelly Sander, that uh, will take place starting Saturday uh, when they announce the uh, four remaining regular season games. I'm interested to see uh, if he'll share with us where this idea came from. The purpose of it, when they instituted it a couple years ago, was that you know you could play teams that had like records, and if you're in that top pod and happen to get on a hot streak, it would strengthen your RPI by beating some of those teams, and perhaps more than one team would get into the NCAA tournament based on RPI. That has not happened yet, but I think I think we're just the second year into this experiment, and we'll ask him, you know, what, what has been the response so far. All right, we're looking forward to that conversation. We're about to be joined by Anita Dudley, a former K. James basketball player, to get her take on the women's season as, as they enter the same thing, correct? This is men and women's that happen. But the first opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of the Eagle Hour. They're a great place to go if you've got a special event upcoming with your church, with your office, with your home, your family. You can let Dickie's cater your event. They can do it for just a few people or a large gathering. Uh, I've experienced that on a couple of occasions. The food is absolutely delicious. There's a big variety of things for you to choose from. You can sit back, relax, and you can let Dickie's do the cooking. I always enjoy Dickie's. You know that. Anita Dudley joins us now on the Super Talk Mississippi Hotline, former Lady Eagle basketball player in the K. James years. So we're going back to when the team photos were in black and white. Right, Anita? <laughs> right. Very, very much so. Black and white was all we had. Anita, we apologize about that. He just is so rude to our guests sometimes. Well, it, it, it was a long time ago. I mean, it, it seems, you know, like it was just yesterday in many respects. But when you talk to these millennials today, they don't, you know, they, they probably don't even know who K. James was. And I don't know how in the world you wouldn't but anita tell us about uh, about your years playing for k james who really put women's basketball on the map in hattiesburg yes he did uh coach james did uh, a wonderful job of recruiting uh the year i came in we, we brought six people in uh at one time and including portland brown which you know was a headliner for us and uh just enjoyed playing with her you know she made us play our best every time we hit the court and and we came in as a group and left as a group and you know we tried to do the best job that we could for her and portland mccaskill now uh coaching uh basketball last last i knew yeah 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 she is she she uh, uh as a matter of fact just retired uh couple of weeks ago this would be our last year coaching uh basketball see so i'm telling you we're going back a few right. years 
you know. But <laughs> yes, you've, you've seen how the women's game has developed. There's now a WNBA when there, there wasn't before. Your, your thoughts, and usually when that happens after players leave, they always go, oh, yeah, that figures. As soon as I leave, all this other great, great things are, are going on for, for women in sports. But your thoughts on the evolution of the women's game? I uh, I said that very thing you said. I was like, wow, now all of a sudden somebody has a WNBA team. I wish I could have played. But the, the girls' teams nowadays have so much more to look forward to after college than we did. You know, you could play overseas, but, you know, that was just being away from home a lot. And now here you, you got the opportunity to be able to play in the States and, you know, your family can all see you. And, you know, I think it's a wonderful opportunity for the for the girls nowadays. When uh, you, as far as that goes. When you look back on your playing career, you, you, you throw this question out to former athletes, and usually you get about a 50-50 split. But looking back on your times, and, and make no mistake, it's a sacrifice when you're going to be an athlete because you, you do get a scholarship and whatnot, but you're surrendering a lot of your free time that you, right. could, that you could be out hanging with the rest of the crew because you're lifting weights, you're running, you're practicing. If you could do it all over again, Anita Dudley, would you, would you do it differently? Uh, yes, I think I would. Uh, not taking anything from what I did have there, I, I, probably the best years of my life. Uh, I just think that uh, me personally, I didn't work as hard as I should have to be a better uh, contributor to the team. But, you know, I was satisfied, but, I, you know, just always wanted to be better. So, yeah, I probably would do a little thing, some things different, you know. But for the most part, I really enjoyed myself at, at USM. So, Anita, some coaches have great success, some don't. Uh, Kay James certainly did. I, I think no one's matched her yet. Uh, what was it about Kay James that, that made her so successful and uh, had so many wins as a head coach? Uh, I, I would say her, her knowledge of the game and just being able to recruit good players. You know, uh, like I said, we had six come at one time. And uh, Wilhelmina Smith was in that group, of course, Portland Brown. And these are all people that that's on the wall, you know, for the 1,000 points or more. And uh, she was just able to get just really good players. And, you know, we all respected her and, you know, just enjoyed our time being there and tried to keep her at being a successful coach. And I, I heard you say that to Kelly, that you all played hard for her. You did everything you could for her. Yeah, uh, that tells me that you you uh, ladies had a great love for Kay James. We did great deal of respect for Coach James. We did. Uh, now, 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 Joy Lee McNellis now is the head coach, but Joy Lee came up through the Southern Miss program. Were you exposed to Joy Lee at, at any point along your career, Anita? Yes, indeed. Uh, in fact, if Joy knew I was doing this interview, she'd probably be running over to your station right now <laughs> trying to see what I'm going to tell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, good. We want some dirt. Go ahead, Anita. Feel free. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah, me and Joy, were, uh, we were really great friends. Uh, my uh, time at USM, you know, she was a year older than me, but, yeah, we had a really, now, really Anita, great time. Now, Anita, Coach McDallas, she claims that she was a real baller in her day. Yes? Oh, yeah, well, you know, I can't take that from her. <laughs> She had a lot of other things going on too, but basketball uh, was, was the best. Did she did she talk a lot in those days? Like she, uh, and we say no. that affectionately. Uh, she's no. our easiest interview. We bring her on the show. We ask a question. 
she gets going and we go get coffee and come back and stuff. Was she that way in the college? No, no, indeed. She, no. Well, not that talkative at all. Really? What happened? <laughs> no. No, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I'm shocked myself. <laughs> but we've also heard, Anita, you know, all, all kidding aside, that as fierce, as fierce as she is as a coach now on the floor, that she was doubly intense and fierce as a player. How would you describe her playing style? Oh, well, Joy was – she was probably one of the best guards I had seen in a long time. She, she was not afraid to, to take it in there. She was taking the shots. And we didn't even have three-pointers then. So if we'd had three-pointers, we would really have some top high scores, you know, mm. at that time. But, yeah, Joel was a phenomenal player. Really? So what are you doing now, Anita? Uh, I work at uh, – I retired from one job, and I'm working again mm. at a place that makes Transformers. I well, hear that a lot. I retired, but I'm working again. Yeah, but yeah. God bless her that she's working because, you know, Bernie Sanders, if he gets elected, nobody will have to work. There you right? go. Right. <laughs> right. I'm waiting on him. <laughs> I guess in that respect, we all are, Anita. All right, Anita, thanks so much. It was a great conversation with you, and uh, we Thank appreciate you. your insight and, and your perspective of Southern Miss basketball. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks Anita Dudley, everybody. Everybody's waiting on Bernie. I'm <laughs> yeah. waiting on my check. What about you? They gotta pay off your house and your yeah. college loans. Of course, you yeah. know. Young millennials like Esquire here will never have to work. Well, he doesn't do a whole lot now. Well, no, she pays. He's well trained for if Bernie comes in. Oh, Lord. No, trust me. I'm not voting. Because everything is free, of course. Oh, yeah. No question. It, it's, and it's obvious that Anita's still in touch with the Southern Miss uh, program right. and, and, and follows things. But, you know, Kay James back in the day, I mean, they, they went to the tournament, you know, seemingly every mm-hmm. year. and She set uh, a standard that really, you know, nobody's ever really surpassed, I think it's fair to say. Shirley Jones-Hill, who used to work at the university, I think she just retired. Shirley was quite a player, along with Anita Dudley. And you look at, you know, Pauline Love and some of the other ones that have come through. Uh, Janice Felder. Mm-hmm. And I think Pauline Love and Janice Felder both coached then a little bit later, maybe not necessarily with Kay James, but with Joy Lee. So there's a long legacy there of uh, very strong female basketball players uh, throughout the years. Icons ago, uh, actually, Shirley... And some other ladies talked me into coaching them in women's softball. And uh, Shirley brought about half the Southern Miss basketball team with her. It was amazing what a good coach I was. I was going to put them on the field, let them go. Yeah, just, okay, now who wants to bat first? Okay, and what position do you play? Let me tell you, Shirley Jones was an athlete in her day. Oh, yeah, all of them were. All of them were. Yeah, and they were good on the basketball court, but you could put them in any athletic setting, and they'd be just fine. They were fast and tall and athletic. No volleyball back then either. Right. You know, it's interesting she was talking about no three-point shot. could play softball. All right, so what's going to happen now with basketball? Can anybody figure it out? We're hoping that Tim McNamara can. If he can't, we're all in trouble because he's with Conference USA, Kelly, and he's next.
tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Welcome back to the Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us this afternoon. This segment is sponsored by Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. I can tell you, Kelly, big selection of baseball stuff. We were down there Saturday. They got all kinds of cool stuff. Had a lot of stuff. My wife was really doing the shopping and a lot of stuff for ladies down there. And they're also sensitive to us bigger boned guys, us husky. Husky, husky guys. <laughs> yeah. Yes, because, you know, lots of times you'll go to these stores and there's all kinds of smalls and mediums. And you, you look at those things, you go, and I haven't worn that size since right. I was in the sixth grade. But yet there were, you know, a hundred of those shirts. But we've gotten bigger in this country and Campus Bookmart is sensitive to that. And campusbookmart.net, if you want to buy some stuff on the Internet, they'll deliver it right to you. If you've heard about that, you can go on these things, this thing called the Internet. You can order stuff, Kelly, and then magically a couple of days later, some guy shows up. Sets it on your front board. Yeah, sure. I, I'm sure that's going to happen. I th- this uh, Al Gore thing said that. Uh, you don't think so? I, I think it's a fad. I you think don't think it's, it's going to happen? Yeah. All right. We're attempting to find Tim McNara from Conference USA. McNamara. Mac, yeah, McNamara. Uh, and uh, we continue to try to hunt him down. Uh, a, a basketball note, Bob. Of course, the uh, Eagles, we're, we're going to learn about this pod play, but. Uh, we Ger- hope. Gerardo Hinton, former basketball star, the old Richton Rambo on the NIT championship team, is posting on his um, on his Facebook account that one of his uh, teammates, Eddie Pope, passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, we certainly we're, we're trusting Gerardo that that's the case because we would. But uh, if that is the case, then there's some more great memories of a great player right. uh, from Southern Miss that has uh, right. has gone on. All right, baseball tonight, uh, UNO in town, weather permitting. Uh, but I tell you what, you have a new perspective of things now, Kelly, about baseball because unless it's raining tonight at 6 o'clock, you get the feeling they're going to play. But but even if it's raining, you know, these fields, they're, they're crowned a certain way, so whatever moisture is runs toward the foul lines, you know. So it would have to be raining pretty significantly. And when you look at the weather forecast, it's just supposed to kind of be spitting like this the rest of the night so i don't think there's going to be any problem at all uh getting the game in it might not be the most comfortable for fans but as far as players go they're they'll get this game in tonight a lot of area high school teams are actually uh playing tonight for the first time as well you know jamborees and mm-hmm. and um events this past weekend so they'll kind of they'll kind of crank it up um you know tonight as well uh, your view what's more important uh, a game like tonight is it to beat uno or is it to get different kids on the field, watch different kids in different situations, and, and try to continue to get a grasp of who your starting nine are really going to be? The latter. And I think when you look at UNO, and we talked uh, with their play-by-play man you know, yesterday, um, they struggled last weekend. UNO is a team you should be able to beat. So you, you've pretty much honed in on who your weekend starters are on the mound now. So now it's time for some other guys to, to get some time get the opportunities and see where they're going to fit into the puzzle because it all comes down to Conference USA play. Right. And and they really don't have a whole lot of time before conference play starts. And those are the ones that really count toward, you know, seeding in the Conference USA right. tournament and and then the regional you tournament, super regional. you got to find that dependable midweek starter, too, which is always difficult because you you got to be pretty deep. You know, you got to have pretty good depth if you're going to have a, a reliable guy that can come up there – Weeknight after weeknight and deliver for and if and if you get some guys that stub their toes, then you have to start looking at your middle relief guys. All right, who right. who are some guys who would normally be in middle relief that might be able to give me five or six, you know, on a on an, any given night. So important games for Coach Ostrander, the pitching coach, right? Just, and and he's got a he has a 
It's a problem, but it's a good problem to have in that they're all healthy and they're all pretty good. Okay, well, and, and so they're going to be competing from playing time against each other. But the Eagles with Will McGillis, you know, now you don't know how long Will McGillis is going to be out of the, out of the lineup. Izio is, is banged up already. You know, so I mean, we're only one weekend in, and, and we've got right. some guys that are already starting to get some little nagging injuries. We talk about this every year in every sport. It's not necessarily who you have, but who's healthy. Oh, yeah. Right? Because right. you can have the best players in the world, but if they're all hurt, it doesn't do you any good. No, that's right. So the depth, the depth that Southern Miss has, particularly in the pitching staff, if, you're, if you have to have one area of a baseball team that you want to be deep, that's it. It's pitching and catching. That's right. Because those are the two strongest. That's why catcher, the catching position is always the quickest one to the major leagues because there are so few good ones. And because it's so physically demanding to play that position, not a lot of guys are tough enough to play it. You know, so you've got to have some depth in your in your catching core and your pitching staff. You build a team up the middle. So, all right. Also, basketball this weekend. Middle Tennessee will be here uh, as they start the first of four. I think they call it pod play games. Tim McNamara is with Conference USA, and uh, Tim graciously joins us on the Eagle Hour. Tim, thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you for having me. Well, we're grateful for you. We want to uh, want to see if you can clarify a few things for our listening audience around the state. Uh, we were all introduced to the pod play last year. Uh, the schedule came out, I guess, a couple days ago with uh, Middle Tennessee here this weekend. Then the Eagles go on the road to play UTEP. They play Rice here. And then they play a second game uh, on the road against Middle Tennessee. Take us back to last year, Tim, and tell us what was the genesis of this uh, unusual way to end the basketball season. So basically, what we were looking at at the end of the 2017-18 season, we had a couple top 40 teams at the time, Middle and Western. We weren't really, we still weren't really shaking the committee up with our teams, and we sort of realized it doesn't matter, you know, if our teams are in the top 40, they're not looking at us enough because of you know non-conference schedule, schedule strength, what what, what have you. So we had a couple options: we could sit around and keep scheduling the full schedule, or we could try to create a tougher schedule at the end of the season to protect our ratings, whether it's net, RPI at the time, so that the committee would look at us more favorably uh, in terms of quality of opponent, strength of schedule, and the like. So that's why we took it to the ADs and the coaches a couple years ago before last season and showed them the idea. And it was to improve seating. Uh, If we had another situation that went our way, maybe get a you know, an at-large bid, what have you. You just never know which teams will pop out and have great years. And so we were just trying to create flexibility and give us more opportunity for that situation after we had middle and western. So uh, that led us into last year's what we call bonus play. We do the traditional play with the first 14 games. Everybody plays each other. Travel partners play each other twice to maintain rivalries regionally. And then we seed the final uh, four games based on like opponents. Group one, obviously, is a net protector. And that's, that's the entire idea. And it makes, it makes a lot of sense, and I applaud you guys for trying to, th- to think outside the box to try to secure another spot. In retrospect, has it, worked? has it worked the way that you wanted it to work? And how long is this idea in place? Would you ever entertain to do something else or go back to a more standard schedule? You never know what the future brings. Uh, in terms of the results of what we've seen in the first two years, last year's the only year where we really have a data set, right, because we completed it. Uh, 
I think the public looks at it as you didn't get an extra seed, uh, your seed wasn't higher in the tournament, and that's true, but in the end, that's just because of how last season ended with the teams. Uh, if you look at what we did versus had we done a traditional 18-game schedule, uh, we did a little math on it, and our finish, we finished with higher nets at the top. So it, we proved it worked. We just we didn't exactly get like the most tangible result. We would have gotten more tangible results with using this system two years ago when Middle and Western were top 40 teams. So, you know, it, you can call it a gamble. You can you can say what you want about it. We were just trying to find a way to increase our numbers at the top, and we think we did that. And this year, we are going to go through it again and you know see where see where everything lands when the dust settles on this year. And then well, we reevaluate everything when we meet with ADs, coaches in the spring and summer. We, we take a look. We, we provide them the data. We say, we voted this in. We did this. Here's how, here's how it played out. Do we want to continue? Do we want to look at something else? Uh, we're all we're we're flexible, so that's kind of how we view it. No, and I and I li- I like the idea because it is thinking outside the box. And the old adage that if you keep doing what you always did, you'll keep on getting mm-hmm. what you always got. Um, but so so the teams settle into these pods as they've been affectionately called now. But we notice in in the Golden Eagles pod, Southern Miss is going to get to play Middle Tennessee two more times. So how does once they're settled into pods, then how do you determine who's going to play where and how many times? So we have a formula for this. Uh, it was funny last year when we first did this, and people really didn't know what was happening. We had a, a school teacher in Kentucky. He gave it to his class as a like an assignment, and they had to figure out the formula we use, and they figured it out, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, but it's basically like if you look at groups one and two, which are easier with five teams, the one seed play, the one seed plays two and three at home, and four and five on the road, and you just take that in descending order, right? So that was obviously within group one to allow for the top team to have two and three at home and four and five on the road, which is optimal within the net formula for, for increasing your net and not hurting it. Group three is a little different because you have four teams where Southern Miss is. So Southern Miss earns the right, essentially, to play as an 11, play the 14 twice and the 12 and 13 once. That's just how it works from an equity standpoint within that specific group. Uh, but there is a set formula. Yeah, that makes sense now that now that you explain that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and the idea for some of the lower-seeded teams in pods two and three are to up the records to where maybe they can get into the, the NIT or some of these other tournaments. Tim McNamara is with us from Conference USA. Tim, can you stick, can you stick around for one more segment with us? You bet I can. Great. We're going to have him hang on the Super Talk Mississippi hotline. We'll continue to get news from Conference USA from... The man himself, Tim McNamara, as the Eagle Hour continues on the other side of this commercial break. To the, top. to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill. It is your official pregame 
destination, whether you're before you go into a basketball game or a baseball game, 4th Street Bar and Grill. It's where all the Southern Miss fans go to get ready for the big contest, home of the 895 lunch, and that includes your soft drink. Continuously uh, changing the menu, the best uh, pool tables in town, lots of them to play on, and they're always full, too. Great place to hang out, 4th Street Bar and Grill. I heard you were in there the other night, and somebody came in and danced on one of the pool tables. I'm... I, as a matter of fact, here we that, go. That's true. And any further comment will have to come and from the president. How about the Hawaiian burger you had there the other day? I did, man. That that big, thick, juicy burger, and they've got that right. uh, pineapple. You know, the cut pineapple on right. Tom and Miss. And for any of those out there that may run into Kelly Santer, explain to him that you do not put ketchup on sweet potato French fries, uh, only to be surpassed by Luke Johnson, who put ketchup on black-eyed peas. Like, I'm not ever having lunch with you two again. I put ketchup in uh, cottage I'm not, cheese, I'm too. not ever eating with you again. I don't even want to hear about it. Kelly, that. you're not helping your case. You're, you're, not, you're not serious about it. Well, well, let's ask there. Tim McNamara from Conference USA, who's a native of <laughs> Dallas, Texas. No more lunch with you, Sam. Tim, do you put ketchup on any of those things? I do not. I like to keep my food in its purest form. Thank you. Oh, Thank you go. very much, Tim. Thank I have been you. put in my place from a right, higher Tim. up. So we appreciate you hanging on. You, uh, you, know, you were talking about this pod play, and and you were saying that you guys met with the got it approved by the ads and the presidents. I'm just wondering, have you had a chance to talk at length to any of the coaches, or, or I'm sure you must have? But what do the coaches think about this particular setup? So with the the pod play, the group play, whatever you want to call it, uh, the coaches obviously were part of the discussion when we brought it in and. They were on board. Uh, you know, I can't remember specifics. I don't even know if, if I'm supposed to give specifics in terms of which coaches were really on board. But I'll say that there were coaches that, you know, probably missed out on opportunity because of, you know, the strength of schedule thing that we discussed prior to the break that would lo- were interested in this. Because if you know, coaches generally have a feel for what year they are in a rebuild, if this is a year where they're set to win now or not. You know, those types of coaches are the ones that are like, yeah, well, I'd like to have a schedule that puts me in the best position, not only for the NCAA tournament, for for the NIT tournament. You know, you you just want to get to postseason if you have a team that's ready to win now, a senior-heavy team. So, yeah, there were coaches that were definitely for it, uh, but I, I, I can't remember specifics on what coaches say what. And, and one thing when it first came out last year that, that we heard uh, here – uh, was a little concerned because it was an unknown, so that was probably some mm-hmm. of the reasons for the unknown, that how that might affect ticket sales. If you if you couldn't tell people when you're trying to sell them season tickets what the entire schedule would be, that was a little bit of a, a concern. But did, did that prove to be a factor at all? We heard that a lot going into last year. I haven't heard that this year at all. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it hasn't been a huge concern, at least nothing that's hit my desk. We, we try to monitor everyone's thoughts, and obviously there's, a, there's several logistical challenges we face when putting this together. Uh, internal logistical challenges, just, just dealing with travel. Obviously, ticket sales is something we pay close attention to. Uh, television is something not a lot of people realize uh, is a challenge doing this. We, we kind of yeah, put ourselves in a position where we know we have to face several of these things just to try to put these teams in a good position to close the year out. When it comes to the, the postseason Conference USA tournament, Tim, educate our listeners as to who gets in, who doesn't necessarily get in on both the men's and not school, not specific schools, but are there any teams, depending on where you finish in the standings, don't automatically qualify? Tell us how the, on the women and men's side how that works. 
so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll start with the men here. Uh, basically, the group three is of note, uh, the one Southern Miss is in, because that's the only group where, as of right now, within our conference, uh, those teams aren't guaranteed a spot in our tournament. So that's the interest of group three. Group one has its own goals, right? Group two has its own goals, and so does group three when you want to break it down. Group three is sort of playing to get in. So we're hoping to create more of an interest in the bottom of the league. Uh, we're not just trying to create uh, wins or challenging games in group three. We're trying to create interest and intrigue. We're hoping, hey, maybe Rice fans are more likely to buy a ticket if that last game is winning in to come to our tournament, whereas groups one and two, they're guaranteed to come already. So that's, that's the idea with seeding the tournament. Uh, the women's side, we did a, we released a schedule somewhat similar to what we did with the men, but we did it in December. Uh, similar goals, I would I would say to y'all to just create uh, a better resume down the stretch for the top teams in the program. And so uh, we we did theirs a little earlier just to help out logistically with them. You know, you you guys have, at the conference office have got to kind of be sweating bullets because if if you are under the assumption based on history, that the NCAA tournament is not going to grant any more than one team from Conference USA a bid in the NCAA tournament. If Conference USA's number one team happens to get upset in the, at the conference tournament, boy, that, that's a blow, isn't it? Yeah, it, you can look at it that way. Uh, we, can, we look at it as if, well, let's say Southern Miss makes a tournament, runs it, and beats our top team right now just for discussion, North Texas. North Texas now becomes a high seed in the NIT. And then what we have is better resumes for Western and Louisiana Tech and a really good up-and-coming Charlotte team for NIT purposes as well, not just NCAA. So we're looking across the board uh, on how we can get more teams in. And we, we welcome the excitement of that at our tournament. We, we really do. We don't shy away from it. Uh, Marshall a couple years ago was a four seed and ran through it and ended up being a really fun NCAA tournament team. Uh, so, you know, you can you can glass half full it, glass half empty it. We're just trying to put our teams in the best position for seeding and at large uh, and, in multiple tournaments. And looking for years down the road, Tim, as as you guys at Conference USA discuss things, um, mm-hmm. how well the Conference USA team entry in the NCAA tournament does does that affect? Future decisions, do you think, with the committee of, hey, we only had one Conference USA team in last year, but they went, you know, two or three games deep. Does that matter one way or the other? We think it does from our standpoint. Uh, we, we work with the NCAA committee. I personally do. Uh, throughout the year, we, we do regular calls and updates with them. They, there's not a detail about our programs that they call under consideration uh, that they don't know. And we use – We've obviously in the, in the past couple of years we've been relying heavily on history of hey uh, we're a one bid league but look at 2015 we beat your three seed look at 2016 we beat your two seed 2017 we want, we beat a five seed 2018 we beat a four seed I mean we you just go down the list we we've proven competitive in postseason play when granted the opportunity we do everything we can and that's part of what the bonus play idea is as well is to get a higher seed and say hey show us a little bit more respect in the postseason but. I mean, in the end, there's only so much we can do as a conference office. We just try to put our teams in the best position to succeed. Tim, working uh, for Conference USA, one of the uh, group of five conferences, how frustrating is it for you guys when you see certain leagues that just it doesn't seem to matter what sport it is, they get eight, ten bids to every tournament. It just sometimes seems to be 
really sort of ridiculous some of, some of their teams and the way they're treated but from from the perspective of of a group of five conference how frustrating is that to deal with I try not to let emotion <laughs> cloud mm-hmm. my day-to-day job here but I'm not going to sit here and say it's not an ex- an extreme challenge uh each it seems like each day especially this time of year we walk in and we look at metrics and we look at different things and we Obviously, we read every report, and we see all the media coverage, and it's like, ooh, you know, just yesterday, I think, I was talking to someone here about Big Ten and how, uh, I don't know, eight of their whatever teams are in the top 40 net right now. They're, they just, they're facing a different, <laughs> a whole different set of challenges than we are, and it, and it does make it difficult, uh, I won't lie to you, mm-hmm. in terms of being creative, hence bonus play and other things that we do, to try to make ourselves stand out, but... It's a challenge. I'll leave it at that. Well, we talk about it a lot on this program, and and schools, we'll just use the SEC, we're in the South. They live in an echo chamber. You know, you got 10 SEC schools in the top 20, uh, just say baseball, basketball, whatever. So number five plays number 15. Well, if number 15 wins, it's a great win because they beat number five. But if number five loses the game, well, it's not a bad loss because we lost to the number 15 team. So they both stay in the poll. Whereas a, a, a school from, a, you know, a, a group of five, uh, they can get up in the top 25. They lose a game, and they just drop completely out. It, it has to be frustrating because it's frustrating to us as observers. Yes. I, like I said, I try not to bring emotion into it. All right, but quick. it, it is, it's yes. tough. It's, I, you know, we're looking every day at how do we fight that. I don't, you know, we don't. In some ways, we don't know. We just keep trying different things. Very quickly, Tim, before we let you go, has there ever been a thought from Conference USA to to doubling up the women and the men's game so that they could travel together? So you have women and men's doubleheaders in basketball rather than opposite uh, destinations? Doubleheaders is a discussion every year when we look at – obviously, we've reshuffled the schedule a bunch lately. And uh, we're in a mere schedule right now, and – that's largely determined by the eddies and coaches on a vote. Uh, some love doubleheaders, a lot do not, and it just kind of depends on uh, where the cards fall in terms of what's our goal. If our, obviously, bonus play became our primary goal the last couple of years, and that affected our ability to, to even entertain doubleheaders logistically. But it's something that gets brought up every single year, uh, coaches, ADs, and the like. All right, Tim, we're very grateful to you for your time. Great conversation. We appreciate it, sir. Yes, no problem. All right, Tim McNamara, everybody, from Conference USA. We'll be right back. To the top. Final segment of the Eagle Hour. 
Today brought to you by our friends at Toyota of Hattiesburg with a large selection of new and used automobiles. You're getting that uh, tax refund this year. You're one of the lucky ones, but uh, also businesses mm, yeah. are looking <laughs> are looking to increase their fleet to help their uh, their tax situation. Tax return. Five, four, yeah, What's that? You, What's that? You, you and I don't get one, but a lot of people do. 544-9630 is the number to call. 544-9630. Or you can join them online. Toyota of Hattiesburg. Glad to have them with us here on the Eagle hour and now a rain-soaked Hattiesburg as the rain starts to fall yeah, you here. wonder Yet about again. tonight, don't you? Well, that turf is paying off already, isn't it? It paid off Sunday. There wasn't any question about that. I don't think there's any way they would have played had it been a grass field. Well, Sunday. Coach Barry was saying, you know, that Saturday probably would have been in jeopardy right. because of all the rain it had taken during the week. So you yeah. want these games though now, don't you? Because you want to get your kids on the field and you want them to play as many games as they can. But here's the double-edged sword. Okay, the field is down so the game will be played statistically more often than if the turf wasn't down. But what are you going to be missing in those games? A crowd. Right. right? If, it's, if it's rainy or nasty. And, and, you know, baseball, like any other sport, you want to try to get as much at the gate and concessions sure. and things as you, as you can. So you've got that kind of double-edged sword. Yeah, the good news is with the turf, you're going to be able to play some of these games in the rain. The bad news is, is nobody's going to be there to see them. Generally, yeah, you, well, know. you you got you rich guys that sit in the sweet I don't care when it's raining, do you? <laughs> That's the one one good thing about what we do for a living. When you call baseball play by play, it's always sunny and seventy in the press box. Yeah, unlimited uh, snacks and mm. you like you like that part. Oh, yeah. well, that's why I mentioned it. You know, right. you like that part and soft drinks and you know whatever else and so. basketball. So Kelly, I hate to ask you this because I didn't ask you to prepare an answer for this, but. What do the Golden Eagles have to do in this pod play to make the Conference USA tournament? Yeah, we should have asked him specifically. Was there a number, you know, yeah. that they had? To, but Middle Tennessee, obviously being the four, the, the four seed in that last pod. You know, he was talking about five, five, and four because there's 14 teams in the league, and so um, by Southern Miss being the number one team in the last pod, they get to play because there's only four teams. Okay, so they get to play Middle Tennessee, which is the last. Team twice. in the pod twice. And they've already played Middle Tennessee once up there. And, and lost. They did. That's right. So it'll be good for Southern Miss, who's already won two in a row now. All right. Get a chance to make it three in a row at home against Middle Tennessee. And then another home game against uh, UTEP, I think, and Rice, I think, will be the only one that's so play So safe to say if you won that pod play... It being the third pod, you'd be in the tournament. You would be in the tournament. That would be the good news. Of course, the bad news is you'd probably have to go up against number one if number one doesn't get a bye. Right. Yeah, so at this point, I think you just want to get in the tournament. I think winning three of the last four, you'd have to really tip your hat to this new coaching staff for this year. You remember, and I think we talked about this earlier in the week, when, when the season started based on what talent they had and the new staff coming in, we, we kind of targeted 10 wins. We mm-hmm. thought if they could get to 10 wins. I actually saw Coach Ladner last night uh, down at the Pearl River Community College game. Pearl River still undefeated. And I told him, I said, I don't think I would ever tell you this in any other circumstances, but I think you won too many games this year. And he, and he kind of laughed. He said, you're right. Nobody would ever tell me that mm-hmm. um, because we kind of targeted 10 double-digit wins. Well, if they, you know, they're playing these lower-tier teams in Conference USA, and of course anything could happen, but if they win one of those games, they're at that 10-win mark. Yeah. You know, if they win two or three out of those last four, then you're looking at 12 or 13, and that's, that's amazing. 
you know, and let's not forget the women. Joy Lee's got her team turned around. They win two games on the road this weekend in Florida, which was huge, just huge. And uh, if they can come back and play well in the last four games, and I think they have a shot at doing something in the tournament. With, to follow up what Tim McNamara of Conference USA said in the, in the last segment, the very last answer of the segment, he said that some schools aren't crazy about – the women and men's double headers. I can't, I can't understand that. I can't either. I mean, just from, again, if it's about saving money for travel, and every little bit counts, right? Every little bit sure. helps. Sure. So if you can travel your teams together and you can double up on crowds, like I said, Joy Lee would probably like to have a, you know, more of a crowd at, at the women's game. We could pay you know, a two-for-one kind of deal. I just think it'd be... Well, I think it would enhance the atmosphere. I do, too. I think it would be fun. And you go watch the game, get a little intermission, then the men come on and play. You can even rotate them. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean the women have to play, you know, first. But uh, I don't know. It just seems to be common sense to me. But as a fan as well, Bob, you can go to Reed Green once and see two games rather than having to go to Reed Green twice on two different days. You know, it just, yeah, I, I totally agree. I can't Because imagine. as we all know, if you haven't paid for a parking spot, you've got to walk four and a half miles to get to the college. So why not just do it one time a week instead of instead of two times? Right. You know, it just, I, I just can't imagine anybody would be against it, but, you know, um, I wouldn't be. But I'm, maybe we'll find somebody that is against it and get there. You know, we want to look at things from all, from all different angles. But uh, Well, I, another big weekend here in town, though. you got baseball and basketball playing. At, at home. Yeah, the only thing I don't like about this pod play thing is, like I said, they play one game this week on Saturday, which they've gone all this week and not played. Mm-hmm. They'll play Saturday. Then they have to go a, another week before they play that following Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then they load them up, you know, Saturday, Wednesday, Friday, something like that. So, right. um I wish they would have spread those games out a little bit more equitably, right, but that's right. the way it goes. I thought about you, Santa. I'm going to see my wife and I, the Guess Who, in two weeks. I know you're a music guy. Love the Guess Who. Clap for the Wolfman. He's going to rate yeah. your record high. You're familiar with him, aren't you there, Millennial? Don't drag me into this again. He doesn't have a clue. He doesn't even know who the regular Who is, let <laughs> yes, alone the I Guess do. Who. Guess you know? Who. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Gosh. Well, we do, and uh, we'll talk more about it tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Uh, Kelly's out. Chuck Abney sitting in for Kelly tomorrow. Kelly will be back Thursday. Until then, Southern Miss to, to the, the top. top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.